0: Between the cherubim shine forth, you dwell between the cherubim shine forth. You dwell between the cherubim shine forth.
1: You dwell between the cherubim shine forth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Lord, you have prepared the table before us this morning. It's there in the spirit. You've served the table. You've prepared the table. Let's come and help us to sit this morning. And come and serve us. Serve us. Serve us your bread. Serve us your wine. The wine of your own spirit. Your own wine. Your own wine. The wine of your fellowship. The wine of your communion. The wine of your testament. Even the wine of your blood. Even the wine of your life. Come and serve it to our soul this morning as we as we move, we ride upon the wings of the spirit. Come and help our heart to find the exact word this morning. The right utterance, Lord, to which you want to bless us. I use you my heart to you help me. Bless me. Bless me. Bless me so I can bless. Bless my tongue. Bless my heart. Bless my head. Bless me, Jesus. Help us this morning. Thank you, our Father. We bring glory to your name. Worship you. In Jesus' name, we worship this morning. Amen. Good morning. You can have your seat. Thank you, Father. Glory to Jesus. Amen. You're welcome. Please just greet somebody very quickly. Say, I'm happy to see you. I'm glad you're here this morning. <clears throat> Amen. Hallelujah. You're blessed. Amen. Okay, let's open our Bibles to the book of Revelation. Thank you Father. Thank you Jesus. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Revelation chapter 19. If you're there say Amen. 6. It says, and I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, "Hallelujah! for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And let us be glad and rejoice and give glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife had made herself ready. Amen. Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22, verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, and the bright and morning star, the Spirit and the bride. Say, come, and let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, that if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in the book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, god shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that are written in the book and he which testified these things said surely i come quickly amen and even so come lord jesus the grace of our lord jesus christ be with you all amen praise the lord Glory to Jesus. Um, amen. So, we get, we're going to see uh, two um, two things from here. Uh, we're looking at the, uh, the place of marriage with the Lamb, which Revelation chapter 19 speaks about. And uh, then we saw that in chapter 19, the highlight of, there's a key important aspect of that marriage is what they call readiness. That the bride has made herself what? Has made herself ready. Praise God. And uh, praise God. We are seeing also that, that that readiness has to do with the work of the spirit or the ministry of the word, of the spirit. And we saw that. The Spirit, the reason for the work of the Spirit is to get the, or the church of Christ, the people of, of God, to a bridal state. And uh, the bridal state is the state of the soul, where the soul can begin to call for the Lord or can begin to call for the Lamb of God. Praise the Lord. Or the state where the bride, can begin to call for her husband. Amen. So that um, walk of readiness, we saw that that readiness for being joined with the Lamb of God is based on a, is a state of the soul. It's based on, based on journey. The soul must have journeyed and journeyed to a place where um, something called, is a, is a particular covenant or a particular um, fellowship, um, which we saw, we've seen through the scripture, that that fellowship is the fellowship of the brethren, right? Um, that, so, until a soul comes to that place, that a soul is not a candidate for being married to the lamb. Praise God. And also, the marriage of the lamb is not... An event. So in that chapter 19, when he spoke about the supper, the marriage supper, and all that, that is not just maybe a one day event that you go to. It is actually an entire school or an entire process, praise the Lord, where they uh, begin to match, to, to import things of the lamb's nature into the soul to make the soul, praise God, to make the soul um, fit for. That marriage. Amen. So he said, uh, let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him because the, the marriage, give honor to him, sorry, because the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And then verse eight said, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine leaning is for the righteousness of saints. Praise the Lord. So this, the righteousness of saints then is the readiness for marriage. That if saints haven't gotten to this place of, of not just righteousness, because there, is, there are levels of righteousness as the soul begins to advance in the things of the Spirit, praise God, um, the school of spiritual nature, which is, which is what we call the school of Christ, is the same thing as the school of righteousness. Praise God. In fact, once a soul begins to access the kingdom of God, the only thing they teach there is, is righteousness. It's righteousness at different levels, right? So the kingdom of God is not eat, meat, and drink, but it is what? It is righteousness and then Peace, that word peace is righteousness that has made peace. Then joy, then righteousness that has produced joy in the soul. So actually, the kingdom of God is purely righteousness. It's about righteousness. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. In the book of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus was saying that you should seek first the kingdom of what? Of God and His righteousness, so it means you cannot separate kingdom of God, anything that has to do with the dominion of God from His word, from His righteousness. Praise God. Now, now the state, this state of the readiness of the bride is talking about the state of excellence in righteousness, so or advancement or increase. I would say, or what would I call it? Mastery of righteousness. Of the soul, so it's not every soul in the school of Christ that has righteousness that has enough righteousness to for that for that soul to be brought into a marriage covenant with the Lamb of God. Praise the Lord. That there is a, there's a deficit of righteousness of the soul, which a soul that's approaching will have, and it will take a lot of work in, of the Lord in the heart of the soul to bring the soul to that state. Of, and the state of righteousness is qualified here. He's talking about righteousness that is as fine as linen. Amen. That's verse 8. That, for unto her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white for the fine linen is the word, is the righteousness of the saint. Praise God. So when you're seeing clean, it's clean and white. That's the um, the linen is the color is clean is white means no impurities. Praise God. But then, but you see the the material of the linen of the of the garment also matters. Not just. The, the the color. There are three things here. They are mentioned. And they are mentioning the the color which is white. Then they also mention its state of cleanliness. So it's very clear that if it's clean, it means that this is a state of a soul that no longer touches the unclean thing. Right? And we know that not touching the unclean thing is the is the final requirement for peace with God. Right. And which is the end of the school of Christ. The purpose of the school of Christ is to make a soul get to a point where what? They no longer will touch the unclean thing. A soul that no longer touches the unclean thing is a soul that David that was describing Psalm 1, a soul that walked not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor seated in the seat of the scornful, those are three levels of uncleanness of the soul. But whose delight is in the in the high is in the law of the Lord. Praise God, Amen. So such a soul that has arrived at that place, the place of having a, a leaning quality of righteousness, that soul is a soul that is now at peace with God. So. And it's not just linen. It's talking about fine linen. Praise God. So, so what is fine linen? Fine linen. Linen, actually, I don't know how to describe linen as a garment. But um, if it's fine, it means it's not rough. It's not rough. It's not coarse in nature. It is smooth. <laughs> you can say smooth or... It is is what fine, what's the opposite of fine? I don't know. If something is F-I-N-E, what's what do you say? Coarse, right? Is it co- is it coarse or coarse? I don't know. What's the pronunciation? Is it what? It's coarse, okay, coarse. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So it's coarse. <laughs> <laughs> if, so yeah, so this lean and. It's fine. So the word "fine" actually means um, "fine" means that from there's there's a a degree of work that has been done to to deal with 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 coarseness, right? And what Um, things that are not when you're talking of garment, garment you can wash the garment in water. Let's say it's dirty. You can wash a garment. You can even dye a garment. You can wash it. You can dye it. I you know dyeing works both ways. You can add dye. You can remove dye. The chemicals used to do that. So there is a work you can do with a garment that can deal with the, how clean it is. Make it clean and also to make it white. But to make a garment fine, that's Linen, you must be able to tamper with the, the material itself. It's not just a work of washing and all that. It's not just about passing things through it. Or right, just passing maybe liquid through it or something that can take away. Because um, dirt or uncleanness and even coloration, dye, comes upon the material. It comes upon it. you, can, you can put it on, you can remove it, praise God. But when it comes to the, the kind of the fabric itself, it's a different kind of operation entirely to turn something that is not linen, let's say, into linen or, or a material that is not fine. To make it fine it means you have to reorder the thread of the material. Praise God. Are you seeing that? There, there has to be, it's not just a thing of just washing alone. Are you seeing? So that um, the that linen walk. The linen walk on the soul is the is the high is a high priestly work. So only the high priest can change the material of the soul. Do you get what I'm trying to say to you? The, only the high, the priests, the priestly uh, ministry, priestly ministry can remove impurities, can do a lot of things, and the soul can, can remove coloration. You know, the soul has coloration. Praise God. Every, every soul that is coming to God, when you, when you see a soul that is in joining towards God in the spirit, In the spirit, maybe going through the through sanctification process. Amen. Amen. You, such a soul that so a soul that's going through sanctification process is a soul that has that is being delivered from worldly nature. Right, things that the world has put. And what does the world do to a soul? We're looking at the soul as a garment now. What does the world do to a soul? The, the world puts impurity and coloration. All right, there's impurity and there's coloration. You know, and we know the, the color of worldliness um, is purple. Praise God. So this chapter 19 is after, is a flow from chapter 17 of Revelation. Thank you, Father. Of flow from chapter 17 then into chapter 18. Chapter 17 was the, was the unveiling of, of that spirit or that woman called Babylon, right? The unveiling of the world or the... Chapter 17 is the demystification of the world, trying to introduce her. And they, they spoke concerning her name, mystery, Babylon the Great. They now began to speak about not just her name, you saw the progress of that chapter. They had to first find her. Like, so John couldn't see her, and the angel had to come and carry him into the wilderness where she was hiding. Praise God. So it's not easy to find that woman and to see her. A lot of people in the world today are not able to see her. Even though they are drinking what came from her, the wine from her, which she served, reaches them because she distributes them to kings. Amen. And that woman seated upon many waters, which are nations and all of that. Praise God. So you see, people drink her, drink her wine, but she's mysterious to them. Amen. That's the nature of, of, of the world. The, the, a worldly soul is carrying worldliness in them, but they cannot see, they can't see worldliness. Praise God. It's not easy to see Worldly nature. Even though the soul carries it and it's the very, um, is the very, is the engine of the life of the soul. But the soul cannot detect the, 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 that, that worldly nature on the inside of them. Praise God. So God had, had the angel to come and carry him to the wilderness where she's hiding and then began to show then her. He, he unveiled her identity and named this mystery. Babylon this is the mother of Harlot and all the abominations of the earth. And he went forth and began to show her operations, which are, this is her means of how she is able to, you know, to transfer her nature. And those things called, when, when he calls her the mother of Harlot and then abomination, means she's the mother of abominations. So, but those abominations, men are the ones doing it. She has a way to, to push those abominations. A mother I means she gives birth to abominations on the earth. Praise God. So, but that woman, they had to take him there to show him who she is and um, that's chapter 17. Then chapter 18, I began to speak concerning the judgment of Babylon. That word judgment is, um, is first they included how she will be destroyed and, and all of that. So the revelation from chapter 17 included the, the color of her garment, which is, she had a purple garment and a, a scarlet garment. And but she was riding on a scarlet-colored beast, praise God. So, so that worldliness is, or that, that, this state of the world in chapter 17 is talking about purple is her main color. But then scarlet is the scar, is the color of perdition or destruction, which was which also added color yeah. to her garment. Are you seeing that? But the beast who had, gave her scarlet is a pure scarlet-colored beast. Do you agree with what I'm saying? Is a pure word. Thank you, Jesus. You see that in verse 3. Quickly, we can read from verse 3. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven head and ten arms. So, the beast itself, praise the Lord, had the color of what? Scarlet. And then verse 4, and then the woman was arrayed in purple and what? Scarlet color, and then decked with gold and all of those things. So, so you see, this, the beast is scarlet, but she is purple and what? And scarlet. So that would tell you that she was not at the end of the evolution of darkness, that she was, the, this state of the world here, this is not just the world at an ordinary state. Right, this is the world that has picked up additional things. You know what I mean? That is that has had interaction with the nature of perdition which the beast carries. So so the, what the beast was doing is turning part of her purple into what? Scarlet. Into his own color. So she was riding on the beast then. She has she's purple, but She's able to take some scarlet. Amen. So, 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 what's very clear that is that worldliness is purple in color. So, when you see a soul joining in the in sanctification, when you're coming to the to the Lord, to the house of God for purification, people arrive with mostly purple color in the spirit. So, it means that the the, the garment they are wearing is not white. Praise God. The, what did I say? <laughs> the garment that the soul is wearing is not what is not a white garment. But there is a process in the spirituality to turn the garment of a soul into a what, a white garment. But when they, they've done that, there's also impurities. So those impurities are also abomination. You have to see when they spoke concerning the woman, it wasn't just about her garment. It's about also what she's full of. Right? It she, says she's full of what? Of names of blasphemy. Amen. Names of blasphemy. Then later, he said that she's the mother of harlots and what? Abominations of the earth. Praise the Lord. So a soul that's coming to God, it has... Um, it has certain color. What is this thing about color um, in the Bible? Because this is not the first place, right? Um, that's one of the, one of the, I guess one of the themes, or I, I don't know if it's a theme, but it's an aspect of particularly the book of Revelation, when you see um, any time any time there. Whenever there's visions of God, you, you begin to see revelation about colors involved. Like John saw such things, and he would describe different colors. He described the color around the throne in the book of chapter 4 when he saw the color. When, when he turned behind to see him who stood, he described the color of him. Even his color of his beard and all of those things. Praise God. You see Ezekiel's vision when he was talking about in chapter 1 of Ezekiel where I was by the river, Chebar, and all of that. And then, and then I saw visions of God. You see in that place as well, when he looked up, he saw, you know, he was able to describe the color of the throne and all of those things. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? In chapter 4 of Revelation, he said, he that is, sits upon the throne was to look upon like a jasper and the word a sardine stone. A jasper means it's reddish sort of color. Right. right? In the book of Revelation chapter 21 you see the same thing when the, the city came down. Praise God and you see her light was was what? Like a jasper most precious. Praise God. So, whenever you see that color, color is um, talking about the um, color. Praise God. Am I making some sense to you? Are we ready for the word today? Praise God. Color um, has to do with the soul's response to light. We want to define what is color. Let's look physically in physics just naturally, what is the meaning of color, and God did that thing, God was the one who made it, he is the one who designed color in the natural, right, so anytime you hear the word color, color just means how does a thing respond to light. Can anybody confirm me, scientists, anybody here, you can confirm it. can you come and explain some more? I want us to get the scientific explanation a, a little. Can you explain Explain it? You can try. OK, let him explain. Yes, sir. Just from like physics class, okay.
2: we used to use a, a prison, you know, to kind of they should use prison to explain all these things. But like basically, um, there's a concept that um, lights... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but basically, there's this theory that everything, that um, objects, right, don't really have color. The color you see is a color from the, from the rays of light from the sun. You know how they say um, the colors from the sun has all the lights mm-hmm. and is the reflection on the objects. That to now reflect. So the theory that you know this thing is not really black is when it's because of the nature of the object that when the light from the sun shines on it, then the color is reflecting. Is the is the is it the refraction? I'm, I'm sorry, it's been a long time. It's just reflecting a part of the the black from the light yes. from the sunlight, basically. Mm. So if you see somebody wearing a red color a red clothes, it's actually the red rays from the sun that is being reflected back. Okay. Uh, I know it's not accurately like, <laughs> correct, but it's just what I can remember. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Let's please, let's, <laughs> thank, let's
2: appreciate appreciation.
1: Thank you, sir. Hey, praise God. Hallelujah. Um, how many of us did physics? <laughs> OK, OK. If you did physics in university, not, not just high school. Ah, OK. Ah, there are very few of us. I I'm seeing something I want to describe it but I don't want to turn this into a physics class. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know we can teach physics in a meeting because the Bible is the is the light of all things. So we can teach we've taught biology here before. We've taught uh, praise God. Um light is a strange thing. Light is a strange thing. Um, light is not, in fact, in in physics, light light is a, is a special kind of entity. In physics, light is special. As far as they've gone to study light, and it's possible that without physic, in physics, it's possible that the full nature of light might not be even known yet. It's possible. That the full nature of light, because there are some things that light can do when it comes to beyond even just physical, when just on the soul, for example, the soul's reaction, how the soul, the soul's emotion, the feeling on a bright day is not the same as in a dark day. There's something about do you understand what I mean? That there's, there's a lot about light, and, and that brightness or darkness of the day is a very physical thing. Just Physical light means just bringing, adding physical light can, can travel and do something inside the soul. you understand what I mean? So light is a very interesting thing, but even speaking purely physically, in light, there's a, there's a particular study. When you go and study light, you know, you, you study waves, in physics, praise God. That's a, a, a huge aspect of physics, is the study of waves and their properties. And then you also study matter in, in, in terms of as particles. That's another aspect of physics as well, where you study matter, the study of mass, and all of those things. Uh, but light is a strange thing, in that, in when studying light, um, praise the Lord. Light is both a wave and a particle. There is nothing else, I think, in physics, like that. It's called the, it's called the wave-particle duality of light. <laughs> Phrase God, Have you heard that before. <laughs> Phrase God, the wave-particle duality. Light is is a is, is a unique thing in physics that light it behaves both purely as a wave. You can study light as a wave, the way you study gamma rays or ultraviolet rays or even sound waves and all of that. Light behave, follows the principle of waves, which means it has frequency, it has a wavelength. It has amplitude. Those are, amen, I'm sorry, I'm going to, to specific. (laughs) So amplitude has to do with the magnitude of it, how much of the wave is present. Mm -hmm. Frequency means how quickly, like the period is the oscillation of it. Uh Praise God. But wave also be, wave is, light is also a particle. You know, light, light is also like, almost also like mass. When you hear protons, for example, proton means the, the quantity of light. Like here, there are a certain number of protons in this room that the light bulb is discharging protons. It, it means light is also something with mass that you can weigh. Yeah. And then at the same time, Light is also a wave. Okay. Praise God. So when I when I, I was thinking about that and I realized that this is actually it's a pure metaphor of spirit of light spiritually. That light spiritually also has the same kind of Amen, the same kind of ability. Right? means because of its wave property, it can carry information. Praise God. Now when it comes to color, like you were saying that color is the is the property of a thing, of how a thing responds to light. Right? So when you see, that's a white shoe, that's a brown shoe. The difference between the the white shoe and the brown shoe is that the material of each shoe relates with light differently. So when light comes, the same light comes on both shoe, the material of the shoe will absorb certain frequencies of light. And reflect the others. You know, material does that. When um, light comes upon something, it will absorb some, and it will do what? It will reflect. Praise God. To explain for that, I'm sorry, I have to explain very well. It's okay. Are you bored with physics? Okay. So, when you take a mirror, for example, what is a mirror? As opposed to maybe just a glass, like a white glass like that that's transparent, you can see outside is a kind of material that tries to what? Allow all the light to pass through. So it it receives all the light, right? And all the light goes through. So it's it's fully, light can fully penetrate. Are you getting what I'm saying? Uh Aha, so if you shine a light into a pure glass, you might never get that light back to just go outside. That's why if you want to bright illuminate your house, you get a clear light, a clear glass. window is that kind of glass. It's just glass. light comes in from the sun, and then your whole house is full of light because of the sun. Praise God, but if you take a mirror and I face a mirror outside inside your house, when the sun is coming, what will happen? Your house will be entirely dark. The back side of the mirror is dark because. When light is coming, it will take all the frequencies in the light. Light wave has multiple frequencies in them, different frequency bands. Now, when you shine the light to a mirror, there's something, a material they used to coat the mirror. The backside is a material that does not allow any frequency of light through it. And when it comes, it will reflect everything back. Everything you, you send to it, it will reflect back. That's the reason why you can see yourself in a mirror. Praise the Lord. Because of that reflection. Uh-huh. Now, when it comes to color, what happens is that each, each thing, each material absorbs certain frequencies. In light, you have red light has its frequency, orange light has its own frequency, yellow light has its own frequency band. Once you, are, once you increase the frequency, you, can, you will jump into another color. Praise You see this light here, you can change the color from red to purple. As you're turning the knob, what you are doing is you are, you are changing the frequency. There are frequency filters in the light. After a while, if you, you can it, to, to block out some frequencies. Allow others, the light color will change. Uh, do you get what I'm saying? So, so the color of something just means the composition of the frequencies that it allows, and it rejects. Am I making sense? Are we still together? Yes, sir. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So you, So you see that. When, when they speak of color in the Bible, color means how an entity relates with light. When light comes, God has a way he relates with light. When light is coming to God, and that's why God's color, you think God's color is white. God's color is not white. Because white color means that God accepts everything. It means that all the different, you know, means it doesn't, it doesn't tamper with some This When you say white cloth, it means that white light came to the cloth. It didn't tamper with the frequency. It reflects everything back. So you see, it maintains, you see white color, you know what I mean? Uh, but when it comes to God, God is not like that. Because God hates some things and God loves some things. Does that make sense? God does what? Hate some things and God what? Love. So when light is coming to God, God has things that his nature is programmed to reject, to repel. And then there are some there are some things that he that is what his nature can accept or his nature can absorb. And so, so is every creature who has a soul. Every creature who has a soul is like that. If you have a soul, it means that your soul is programmed to love some things and also to do what? To hate some things. So, if the soul can love what God loves and hate what God hates, that process is after a while, the soul will begin to look like God and begin to look like the color, the color of God. Am I making some sense to you? Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. So when you're saying um, fine linen, fine linen that is white, the first, the color white. Color white means that you have you've almost brought the soul to a Sort of a neutral place. Mm. Do you got you know what I mean? The, the purpose of the, you see the outer court, soul is in the outer court, but the outer court does not really change. Um, is, oh, let me just say the outer court and the holy place, the purpose of the outer court and the holy place is to is to undo, the, to undo impurity and coloration of the soul. To undo what? Purity. To undo impurity and what? To undo impurity and undo coloration in the soul. If, if a soul wants to enter into the holy place, according to what they told Moses in the book of Exodus, there is a priestly garment which they have to wear upon the soul, right, at the door of the sanctuary. And that that priestly garment is a white garment, right? It's 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 a white garment which they wear upon the soul. But then that white garment which the soul wears, amen, the priest is supposed to journey with that garment In the sanctuary, to a point where the soul comes into a clean state with the garment, where the garment of the soul is has been cleaned completely. How will the garment of the soul get clean? This garment of the soul get clean by by dealing, having interaction, right with praise the Lord the. The, the there's the blood of the lamb, and the blood of the lamb, of, the blood of the lamb has water in what? Aha. Uh-huh. Has water in it. In chapter 7 of Revelation, when he spoke about the multitude, remember the multitude? Uh, who are those multitude in chapter 7? After the servants of God. You see the servants of God first in chapter 7. Then later, you now see he now showed me a great multitude which no man could what number. And then later the angel now began to ask, "Who are this multitude?" And he said that these are they which have come out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white, where in the blood of the lamb. So, so it means he's talking about the ministry of the blood of the lamb to. First, wash. So washing is not the same as making white. Uh, have you read chapter seven of Revelation? Am, am I quoting it correctly? Right. He said these are they that came out of great tribulation. They washed their robe. The purpose of washing is to remove the impurity. To make it clean. So it means that those people, those multitude, they had a garment that is clean and white they washed their robes and made them white in where in the blood of the lamb so you're seeing a progression entering into the sanctuary you receive a robe that's one of the things if you have time you can go and read it in the book of, of um, Leviticus when we were describing how to, to, to commission priests into priesthood when Moses told Aaron, when you take your son, this is what you do to them, to told them what they will sacrifice for them, how they need to wash them with water at the door of the sanctuary, you need to pour, put the garment of them, you need to pour oil upon them. So that's when they receive their garment, is for entrance into the sanctuary. Praise God. But there is an operation of the blood in the sanctuary, which every soul must do. And that operation is the, after you receive the robe, you must find a way to wash it and then do what? Make it white. Wash the robe. So they washed their robe and made it white, where? In the what? Blood. In the blood of the Lamb. So it's talking about the first ministry of the blood, which is the ministry of the blood that we're looking at, uh, which is the ministry of the blood of Christ, right? So... It's very clear that the ministry of the blood of Christ is um, the first ministry of the the ministry of the blood of Christ is the removal of sins from the soul. Right? So when the soul is being washed and made white, that soul has dealt with sin. What kind of sin? The sin which the world has put on upon the soul, or we'll see which, through interaction with the world, the coloration and the uncleanness that the soul has come into by what? Interaction with what? With the world. Praise God. So then the soul would then arrive eventually at a point where um, all the washing has taken place. I mean, you can begin you know, to connect scriptures together to what I'm saying. Amen. Amen. That same ministry, praise God, is the, the, the fulfillment of that ministry is what the high priest will come to do in the sanctuary. Amen. In the book of Malachi, when he spoke about how he will suddenly enter into this temple, the Lord who you seek will suddenly enter into this temple, temple to come and purify. Then he, he spoke about some, um, purification by fire, right, we, which is um, the, looking at it in terms of the soul as a, as a, is it a, as a mineral? or oh, see what I'm going at the mineral, yeah. 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 Praise God. Aha, uh-huh. so as a mineral, there's what, when you to purify minerals, you use fire. Aha, uh-huh. but he also spoke about the soul also like a garment where he's, it's like with fuller soap, where. Well, it will then also wash the soul and then make the soul clean, praise God. And then the the end of that washing is so that they might make offer unto the Lord a what? An offering in righteousness. Praise God. So what qualifies the soul to offer an offering in righteousness is is that the soul has has begun to has tapped into or began to receive the, the linen quality of what? Of righteousness. That word linen just means what God will, the quality of the fabric of the soul that God will accept. Praise the Lord. Linen means what? The quality of what? fabric of the soul that God will accept. It's very clear when you read the, um, in the Old Testament when he was speaking about the garments of the priest. He so saw the priest, they didn't give specification of what to wear, the quality of the garment of the priest. It's just that the priest's garment should be white and he, he spoke about other things. But the high priest must have a linen garment. I mean that any person who's coming into the most holy place is not just that you are wearing maybe cotton or just some other kind of garment, is that you have to check what is the quality. It's not just about the color alone or how clean it is. But when it comes to the realm of God, God checks the fabric. Praise the Lord. Are you seeing that? So righteousness of the most holy is higher than righteousness of the sanctuary. There's righteousness which the court, the person has in the court. Then when the person comes to the sanctuary, he, has another, he comes to another school of righteousness, which is the school of making peace with God. Amen. Amen. It's the school of what? Making. Of making peace with God. Do you agree with me? Yes, uh-huh. So when it comes to making peace with God, one of the main things that God checks beyond the, qual- the color and all of that, because you know God has his own color, he has his own dye, which he wants to put on the garment. He wants to make, he wants to, to make a soul, after a soul has washed their robe, their blood, has washed their, their robes and made it white in the blood of the lamb, there will now be a further season, which is when it comes to the season of the harvest of God such a soul in the ministry of, of, of God's life, which is the ministry of everlasting life, is a ministry where they will now take that same garment, that white garment, that is clean and white, and linen garment, and dip it in blood. When you see Jesus, the, 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 the lamb who is married, let's see this chapter, um, amen. Amen. You guys don't look too much like you're ready for the war today. I don't know. Amen. Is this what you came for? Is there, is there something else that I'm missing? Are you sure? Are you sure there's nothing else we should, we should be doing instead? Am I doing the right thing? Are you sure? Okay, praise God. Okay, let's read, let's read it. Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 19. So so after you spoke about the, the readiness of the lamb, am I correct? Then let's go down to hmm, let's go down to verse verse eleven. That's same chapter 19, <clears throat> verse eleven. If you're there, say amen. amen. And it says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, doth he, he doth judge, and then what make war? So, what, what, who you are seeing here in verse eleven is, is another, is a. I think if you can remember, Brother John's question on Wednesday. Um, your question, sir. praise God, right? John chapter 16, right? Yes. We're, seeing, we're seeing the progressive ministry of the Spirit. Yes. Praise God, the, the ministry of the Spirit. Um, and we saw that what he was saying, like, he said when that Spirit is coming, he will convict of sin, and we saw that that conviction of sin is actually convicting the soul of faithlessness or state, the state of faith, whether they have faith or not. saw so the next one is righteousness, because he is going away, and the time of seeing him spiritually was coming. So that righteousness is talking about the season of righteousness, which is by revelation, which is what it will reprove the world of that righteousness. Then the last one is judgment. And we said that judgment is another thing. Judgment is is a higher level, is the, the school of judgment, is the school of Mastery of righteousness. So another way to put it, that the school of judgment is the school of linen righteousness. Am I making sense to you? That's that's a school of right of judgment. The judgment is also righteousness, but judgment is talking about is the is the is the. They yeah, yeah, begin to teach the soul the usage of righteousness. There is to teach the soul the, the usage of God's righteousness, to introduce the usage of God's right, because righteousness sits in God as judgment. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It's, righteousness does what? Sit. There is something about it that the mind of God adds to righteousness. When you a soul who is, has received stature in Christ... We have a sense of right things, right? Because that's one of the things that Christ has made unto us. First, it's made unto us wisdom. Then it's made unto us righteousness. Then after righteousness, then sanctification. And then what? Redemption. So there's righteousness that becomes, that is then sanctification. Righteousness that has been gone through, is full sanctification Process. Do you get know what I mean? And after a while, the end of righteousness is by the time righteousness becomes redemptive. So, right, a redemptive righteousness is not just a—it's a, not just a latent sitting righteousness. But the redemptive righteousness is, is righteousness that is that has that is being that is being applied to the work. It's righteousness that is redemption is the. Redemption is the effect of righteousness. Praise God. Redemption is what? The impact of right. When, when righteousness begins to have its effect, what you will notice is redemption. That's uh, what righteousness is for. Amen. But it's not any every level of righteousness that can, that can accomplish redemption. They will be installing righteousness in the soul, but it's, the soul is not really being redeemed yet. You need to understand that redemption. Redemption, every time there's a redemption, there has been a, there has been a, there has been a, there has been a tussle. For redemption to occur, there has been a, the, the, redemption will not occur Unless righteousness that can answer the query of the accuser as a, has a reason. Righteousness that can do what? Answer the query. So what, what's the accuser? The accuser of the brethren, right? Which they spoke about in Revelation chapter 12, right? They, you know, when, what made the accuser fall? You know, he took his spot in the air. From that place, he's defining the cause of men, Giving them way of life. That's where the power, the world gets its power from that realm, that place where he's seated. But that's not his only job in that in the air. Is that from that place he can also accuse men toward God. From that point, praise God. What is his accusation? His accusation is not God. I don't like all these men you created. Are, that's not his accusation. His accusation is that, is that is that he can speak to men concerning the walk of men. Or speak to God concerning the walk of men. He can he can talk to God about what men are doing. Do you get what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> now the realm of accusation or the work of accusation of Satan. Are you still with me, please? Yes, what I'm saying, does it have any meaning to you at yes, all? These things are this are Bible, all this knowledge need must be inside your soul. Yes, you have to you must you need to know them. You need to know all these things. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, Satan's job as an accuser is not accusing everybody. Satan is not going to telling God, God, that God, that guy steals you. Are you seeing him that is stealing right now? I told you that this guy always steals. You know what I mean? Or just that good thing you want to give to him, you don't dare do it because he lies sometimes. That's not when you talk of accusation, a soul who is at that level, like that. Um, that's, not the, that's not the, let's say, a worldly soul who just got born again. Satan doesn't talk about such people because those such people, they are firmly under the grasp of his works. Hi. That all the works that he has done takes care of them. They are, they are, they are still, when you check their garments, it's shining purple, it's still shining. <laughs> it's not just, are you getting what I'm saying? They, it's still, they are still shining purple in the world, praise the Lord. Do you get what I'm saying? So those are not the guys that he accuses. He doesn't need to waste time accusing such people because they are not a threat to his position and what he's doing. The point where Satan begins to feel threat of his position is when people who they call brethren in the spirit begin to emerge. So one of his main job as his defining cause for men and all that is to accuse brethren. So anytime a soul rises into the covenant of brotherhood, you just found a new adversary that you just came to. You, you move into the, the season. You have, you have shifted your soul into the area where Satan drags with men. That dragon who was who was waiting for the woman. That that is the place of a, an accuser is a dragon, somebody who is who, who he's not he's fighting. He doesn't want to give an inch at all. Why? Because of your, once the soul begins to come into the covenant of brotherhood, he knows what the next thing is. He knows that that very soon they begin to talk about marriage. For this soul. So, so it means that. It's so being accused by Satan. is actually. A, it's a badge of honor in the spirit. <laughs> it means that you have done something. Right? That you have. You have done something. Where in the. You, and see. Where, where they can table you. And you can be a discussion. <laughs> Oh. It's not everybody that they discuss in that are you get what I yes. Do you understand what I mean? Wow. Uh. The point where the devil begins to raise your own you as a parent, and begin to think about pe- people hmm. is when they is when your level of your level of um um you become too volatile in your, in your in your being, your demeanor. In other words, when you, when when you are beginning to be an outlier in the graph and the statistic of Satan, when when he drawing the start, let's say they are drawing the statistics of people. They maybe they plot. they are Indians who plot the graph every morning and they give Satan a money update. This is the graph of Otawa right now. All the souls on this side, the one who the ones who love their life, the one who. Praise God. The one who loves money and all the good things of the world. And then they look at the graph. Yeah, it's holding the same graph. Last, last 200 years, the graph has been the same. It's not changing. Uh, praise God. So, yeah, the graph is still the same. You know? Praise God. Well, when, when, um, when word begin to tamper with day, like when Paul went to Ephesus, and he began to teach in the school of Tyrannus and was teaching for two years. It was from one, just one little room where he was teaching. Just teaching. It wasn't, no concert, no chorus, no mass. He wasn't doing crusade, nothing. All of those things like that. It was just, in fact, he went to the temple. He was trying to talk there. They didn't. They were resisting him. So he now just went to one guy's house called Tyrannus and just began to teach in the guy's house. For two years, he just kept teaching. From teaching and teaching. From that place, the Bible says the word of God grew mine. Mightily. And prevail. There's what you call prevailing of the word. What prevails is word. What prevails. If, if word, if labor of the word can be done consistently, consistently, that you are tampering, you are holding that thing which Satan is scared. Because you see what we're talking about? All these things. You think the devil wants you to know them? He will do everything you, that he can to make sure that these things are not said. He will do everything. He will destabilize your heart, he make you feel one certain way. Make you. He will do everything. Everything he can, just not, for the door of utterance. When every time there's always a fight for utterance at this level, you fight, you fight, and heaven can help to make to prevail so that the the thought can be shared, so that this insight into these things can come so that we can know these things. Praise God. From just teaching, as Paul was teaching and teaching and teaching for two years, it began to affect commerce, began to affect the economy, began to affect their goddess, Diana, who they always worship. After a while, all the economy surrounding her worship began to fall. You know, you know Christians, we... You think that impacting the economy and all of those things is by going to be the United Nations and being the governor of the Bank of Canada and all? Of it. You don't know. That's not where it is. Tampa is soul. Yeah. That's where it is. That's the string, the padlock that holds money and all those things is souls of men. Yeah. Souls of men. If you if you try and go after the system with your carnal mind and everything, the system will swallow you up. And they will add you to part of the part of the machinery. They can turn you into a screw
0: in the machine. <laughs>
1: Praise God! You can become a screw, a part of the. you know, you have become a a part of the machine that you won't try to go and change. A lot of guys who go into politics, thank God, they're not sending them. They want to go and change. After a while, they, they will be the guys who what key, key, key a key component of what. <laughs> so, so it's not by those things. It's not by the, you have to you have to you have to shake the you have to shake the 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 the, the, the power behind the system is the, the devotion of souls. There's a way that the church can tamper with the devotion of souls. Yeah. It can shake the Canadian economy. Things will just begin to change. When we'll you just begin to look at things, even natu- in, the na- in the national scale, after, when sufficient people are beginning to gain liberty. Wow. Are you understanding what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So that's what happened in Ephesus. All the, the people who the the smiths, the silversmiths, the guys who, who have occupations surrounding the idol of Diana, after a while, people were no longer interested in her. Why? Paul was preaching another being. Another being. Who, to who who Diana is nothing. The attention of people began to shift. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? <laughs> so so in the world, so I was given an example. Let's say in someone like Ottawa, well, maybe they plot the graph every morning. The devil, well, this what well, is this region now? The souls are like this, and then after a while, they see that they now begin to see a few abnormality. That there are some souls who don't, who are no longer following the trend anymore. That are you getting what I'm saying? That when it comes to certain area, there are some so, so, some some souls have become volatile. In other words, you they, they've lost their predictability. The kingdom of darkness, the bank on predictability. That they don't, it doesn't matter what, what, how many years you've been a Christian, which church you go, how many years you've been in church, whether you speak in tongues, how many languages you, you speak in terms of, maybe you speak la, la, language of angels, seraphim, some people have <laughs> speak language of cherubim, some people speak all kinds of, praise the Lord. They don't, no matter all of those things, we know what this soul will do given these circumstances. Why? Because they always do it. Men like him have been doing that for thousands of years. It's a sure banker how men will react based on, t- on certain things. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Amen. <laughs> so to, to, th- th- there will be souls who, by, by, by advancement in righteousness, will begin to Experience such a great outlier effect that it would disturb Satan. And tell Satan these guys have been, they have broken free. They have, they are, a, they are a glitch in the system. <laughs> you want to use like Matrix terms, like these guys, they are. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? It's like like Matrix is a good example, right? Why were they fighting Leo? All those people. Why were they not fighting everybody in the world? Because everybody was enjoying the matrix. They were just, life is going on as usual. They didn't know what was going on. So the guys who, who Satan himself is, becomes a personal adversary to are those people who are becoming glitches in the system, who are not flowing with the algorithm. Of the world. So that is the sort of soul condition that brotherhood, that thing called brotherhood in Christ, or the life of charity. Anytime they are seeing charity arise from souls, uh or that thing called brotherhood, it's a very key. It's a very key attainment in the spirit. So they now, they call him the accuser of the brethren. They didn't call Satan the accuser of men. They didn't call him the accuser of Christians. That's not what that place was saying. He's not the accuser. He doesn't need to accuse the average Christian. But he's an accuser of the brethren. Souls who have caught who have caught that covenant of brotherhood? Who have arisen into that that standard of life? Who have begun to live in a in that plane? Is a, a plane in the spirit? It's a plane that registers as threat and insecurity to Satan. Then he begins that, his work as an adversary. He begins to to he begins to bring his nature. He's been to bear on their work. How does he do it? He's by checking it. He wants, he's, he's constantly checking. You see this is your charity. There are still spots here. There are spots there. There are spots there. There are still some things that aren't yet perfect in it. That's his job. That work. Just a principality cannot do it because of the, the, the elevation of charity conversation in the spirit. You need to understand the, a charity conversation is higher than principality and powers. It's higher. The, a life of charity, when a soul has become a, a charitable soul, a soul has come into the life of Christ, is talking about the soul living a life that Principality and power can't say anything against it. Actually, your soul, you can move beyond the vicinity of principalities and powers. You can move beyond a point where, when I say vicinity, I mean they can no longer see you. You don't believe me? (laughs) The same way many of you have moved beyond the vicinity of Certain demons. There are some demons from your village that can no longer see you. I'm not like, this is not, um, I'm, not I'm not telling you, I'm not trying to psych you up or anything. I'm just telling you the honest truth. There are just some things that you know, that because you know them, they can no longer see you. Because of some level of agreement you have made in your soul, there are some things that if you check, go and check me your family, they say, ah, this thing always happens to people who are this age or whatever, people who are from this place. When you check your relatives, it happens to them, but you will check you, it will not be happening to you. It's not because you prayed, not because you fasted, not because you, you went to the village to break the curse. No, you don't need to do that. It's just that the demons who perpetuate those things in the family, when they count them, if you are five, they are, they are now four or something. <laughs> you don't see... <laughs> That's just how it is in the spirit. After a while, they just won't see you anymore. That's why it's not about going to bind and cast. You can grow beyond them. That's just it. Just growth. Growth and solve, solve many of them. What's trying to, you, you know, you bind the same demon every time. Just grow, you don't need to bind them. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Do you believe me? <laughs> so in the same way, your soul will grow to a point where not just demons... Principalities' powers will no longer be able to see you. <clears throat> Rulers of darkness of this world will no longer be able to see. Amen. See you anymore. You won't you won't register in their uh, uh-huh. you get to a point where spiritual wickedness in high places Will no longer, and if 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 they can't see you, it means that you no longer you are you are living a life that does not flow in their cause. You found you exited from their way, their cause. You entered into another way. They can patrol that highway all they want, front and back. They will never find you there, because you are you are journeying in another another plane. This is that's how. That's God's plan for your soul. So when spiritual wickedness in high places can't, can't find your soul anymore, but there's one being who you are, you, you, are, you appear in his realm, you, and you begin to disturb him and choke him in the night. When he's trying to rest, you are choking, your, your, your conversation is, is piercing him and it's, it's disturbing. You are giving him a, a headache. That's how you're supposed to be. That's the problem. That's, that's the thing with brethren. Brethren have begun to, to give Satan what? A headache. They have begun to praise the Lord. They've begun to. Amen. He's, he can see you coming. He can see. You know, he's watching their. Arising. He's watching the ascension. So he can see. When a soul begins to get close to him, he can see it. Amen. So, so this accuser of the brethren who accused them day and night, he doesn't get tired. He constantly accused them. is because they have arisen to where? To a place where? In the spirit. Praise God. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Am I making some sense to you? So we're seeing that righteousness, Christ is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, then what? Sanctification, and then eventually what? Redemption. And you see, um, redemption is what? It's It's the effect of what? It's when righteousness is working. You see redemption begin to what? To take place. Redemption means the... Redemption means a soul taking stride into God's ownership of them. That's redemption. It's you are, you, an advancement towards God's ownership of you where you can, you can, by what you are doing with your soul, you are enabling God to lay claim on you. So it's very clear that real redemption doesn't really start until a soul as moving to the realm of judgment, right? Because realm of judgment is the realm, that is what Satan sees. The threat to Satan is, is, is growth in judgment. When he so can, begin to judge. You know when you say? Judge is judgment. Judgment is what spirits do, not spirit as an invisible. Spirits are that realm there. Yeah. It's a God who sits in the congregation of the mighty, then he judges among who? He judges among the gods, So judgment is the activity of the most holy place. And it's only given, judgment is a property of high priestly stature. The Urim and the Thummim, which only the high priest has, which the the priest doesn't have, the high priest has, the Urim and Thummim is the symbol of judgment. Judgment. So only he carries it because it's a being of the most holy place. Amen. Judgment. Yiruman tumim means light and perfection, light and what? Perfection. perfection. So Yiruman tumim is when the soul no longer doesn't deal in light alone, but the soul deals in perfection. That is that is the difference between righteousness and what judgment. Amen. Amen. That's the difference between what righteousness and what and judgment aha uh-huh. so a soul that has righteousness but no judgment is such a soul such a soul is an actor in the spirit but is is acting with respect to light right is acting with respect to anybody who can who can act Relative to light is righteous. That's what righteousness means. Righteousness means acting, movement, motion, walking, according to, in alignment with light. That's righteousness in the spirit. But light has grade. there's light. It's what you call the perfect light. There is a perfect light. So living or having a soul, being able to act according to, the perfect light is what you call judgment. Mm-hmm. Judgment is dif- in the spirit is different from just righteousness. The comparison of righteousness is light. The comparison of judgment is perfection. In the realm of judgment, what judgment approve is not whether is he okay. No. Judgment will say is it perfect. That's the, that's a query of judgment mm-hmm. judgment is is, is is trying to is trying to what the the only thing that answers judgment is perfection Are you getting a sense of what I'm saying? Are you sure this is god's standard this is the language of god's standard so So it's very clear that God, what the Lord judges, you bring God's mind. God's mind is not comparing spiritual with spiritual. That's not God's mind. That is the standard below the mind of God. That's the standard of Christ's mind. Christ's mind compares spiritual with spiritual. Just spiritual, comparing spiritual with spiritual. But God's mind deals in the order of perfection. It's not, it's, not, it's not just comparing spiritual with spiritual. God's mind is trying to attain the perfect. Mm. Judgment is for to... The prop- purpose of God's judgment is to produce perfection. It's the production of what? Perfection. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Did any part of that minister to you? Yes. Amen. So Amen. So, one, so we see the light of the high priest. He has both light and has what perfection. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. So the the accuser of the brethren is is thinking in the order of redemption, which is not just a soul that has some righteousness alone, but a soul whose righteousness is gaining composition, or a soul who is charging to a point where their righteousness has a composition in in the eyes of God. In the eyes of God, or what you call it, in the sight of God. So when Jesus was walking in Galilee, that three and a half years time, by that time Jesus was, was already walking in the sight of God. Why? Because Jesus at that time was, was operating not just with righteousness. If you met Jesus at 20, 25, 26, 27, you will see, you see the being of righteousness. He was, a, he was a righteous man, he was a Christ, a righteous entity. Amen. But there's there's a standard of God, which is not just any kind of righteousness. It's, it's righteousness that is fine, fine. It's, it's linen righteousness. Praise God, which is it's a right. It's this righteousness that cannot be faulted by any light. There is some light that they might bring to a Christ that can still find some things that are for. But when you see a soul that is fine, a fine soul is a soul that there is no light that can fault their righteousness. That is the standard of God. So it means that God, when he's trying to choose, God God will now introduce another light. The light God brings is what you call the perfect light which is the light, which is the other light, where in your light you see light, that which you are the fountain of life, for in your light we you see light. That, that other light, which, which is the final light of God, is the light of perfection, or is the light of, what? of judgment. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, you're now seeing that the school of god's life is to is to put the is to is to immerse the soul into another dimension of the blood the soul have washed their soul made them white in where in the blood of the lamb am i correct they washed their soul, made them white in the blood of the lamb. They washed their robes, made them white in the blood of the lamb. But there is now a further ministry, which is a ministry that has to do with this other being who is, who is descending from the perfect realm. The, the, the being who is coming from the perfect realm. And you will see, you will, when he's coming, you can detect his perfection. His perfection is is also determined by his garment. Praise God. His garment also speaks concerning what? His perfection. So the marriage of the lamb is talking about how a soul can can also come into an estate in the light of perfection. (laughs) Praise God. When he saw Jesus approaching, this Revelation quickly, chapter nineteen. When Jesus was okay, let's see. Let's. I think we started reading from verse eleven. Okay, after the marriage, right? He said, "And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and you see, in righteousness he doth what." judge. So he doesn't have righteousness. He doesn't just have righteousness, but in righteousness he doth judge and then what? Make war. Those two things are, they're talking about two aspects of him. His everlasting estate and his eternal estate. Those are the two things. In righteousness, he doth judge and then what? Make war. Judgment is talking about, so someone who, we spoke about righteous judgment, sir, huh? on Wednesday, right? So it's very clear that a soul who will reprove the word of, of sin, then reprove the word of righteousness, then he will reprove the word of judgment. That word judgment is talking about the, the final reproof. That's the final aspect of the work of the ministry of the Spirit, which is to make a soul able to judge in righteousness, right? In righteousness will he judge and then make what? And make what? So that judgment means that he's a soul that has everlasting stature. And now, you can't, God, God can never make war without, before, without judging. We are talking about that—that place of making war is not, is, is not is, is the uh, making war is the is, and the attribute of the reign of judgment. There's what you call the reign of righteousness. Those who have received, receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, according to to Romans chapter 5, right? Those who have obtained, obtained, received the abundance of grace and then the gift of righteousness will reign in life by the one, Christ Jesus. So there is reigning in righteousness, which is a kind of reign, which reign just means dominion, right? It means the dominion of life or the dominion of righteousness. But there is the dominion of not just righteousness, but the dominion in perfection. That is God's kind of dominion. It's it's different. It's different. It's different from a spiritual man. I don't know if you can <laughs> are you understanding me at all. I'm trying to expand your mind a bit. Don't worry. This is just you're pushing the boundary of your amen. After a while, you begin to think in these terms. You begin to it will be so clear. To, when you say righteousness, you, you would you will know what righteousness is, you know what judgment is. You will know it not in a just in a scripture way, but you will know it. Amen. Are you getting me? But and, and we must know this is our school. Yes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, so God is not is not doing just reign in righteousness. If God reigns in, if he's reigning in right, someone who is reigning alone in righteousness will can will still will still have, he will, someone who is just reigning alone in righteousness, will not have a dominion that cannot end. Will not have an everlasting dominion. Like what they want, what they want to give to the holy people in the book of Daniel. They call it everlasting Righteousness. You remember that, but after he has first of all made an end of sin, <laughs> you go and read that in the book of Daniel, then he will now bring in everlasting righteousness. That everlasting righteousness is talking about judgment, is that a person as a judge. So you're, you're talking like if you want to use a legal, a court of law, for example, you're, you're almost talking like the difference between, there's a difference between a lawyer and a judge. It's not perfect, but just something like that, you know what I mean? A lawyer is trying to push a cause per time. He's trying to advance a cause, an argument. A judge considers all things. All things being considered. That's the, are you getting what I'm trying to say? It's not the same, praise God. The judge deals in perfection. When you're talking about a judge, it's somebody who you can put a life in his hand, and he can weigh it. And you can, there's enough safety in the judge. You can put the word salvation in the, metaphorically. A judge should have, is have enough salvation that you can, you can commit his soul to his hand, his life to his hand, and say, we trust you with this life. Whatever you, are, you say about this life, we we'll accept it. A judge can send the person to the electric chair you can, or you can send him to life in prison or for some years or he can send him home. Imagine such a power. And you know, so That is, means that such a person who you will give such a power must have a mind of perfection. It means a mind of not making mistake. Mistake is not allowed in that, in that kind of a profession. You just can't, you can't make mistakes. mistake. You can say, oh, well, we killed, we killed him, but uh, uh, we, was, like, we should have actually killed him. We just, uh, well, that's too. <laughs> you understand what I mean? Because it's perfection. The, the standard for being a judge is perfection, as, as close as the natural world can get to it. If you look at where they confirm maybe Supreme Court justices, if you watch any of the confirmation process, you see the guys who are asking questions, many of them are lawyers themselves. They practiced before they became politicians and all. Praise God. On this on the spot, I I used to wonder that thing. On the spot, you ask you ask the judge about a case. Just mention the name of the case. They know it by head. They just begin to talk about the case. They'll tell you this was what the, the judgment was. They will tell you details of the judgment. What did the judge who judge was thinking? Precedent upon, pre- upon precedent upon precedent upon... Pre- they've studied. They don't know study the letter. They study previous interpretation. A judge should know all. A judge should know what? Should know all. That's the standard of a judge. So if in the natural world, it's like that. When we're talking about God, who is the judge of all? That, what is his own standard? How does he... How, what standard does he hold himself to? you understand what i mean so so it's for a soul to enter when they tell you they are calling you to that realm to that world you need to know what they are talking about we're talking about thinking in the terms of perfection that's what paul called our high calling the high call is high, man. It's the high calling of God in Christ. It's the high calling of God in Christ. Are you getting what I'm saying? But when you see a lawyer, a lawyer a lawyer can interpret law too. He can, he can make a case. When you in a particular matter he can tell you. So, and so, the lawyer also uses light, but is not the perfect light. Even the judge doesn't expect the lawyer to have the perfect light.
2: Cut.
1: Praise the Lord. So, he said, This being here, who, this, who is faithful and true, he says, In righteousness does he judge. So, he's a judge. But then talking of making of war, so I was saying to you how judgment must come before making of war. That God will not grant his soul the ability to make war unless he knows this people, this soul can judge. Because if they can, if they give you the authority to make war, without what?
0: Who will you war against?
1: (laughs) After a while you will come and war against him. You will turn back and and say, God, you are the next person on the line now. (laughs) We have, we've checked your arena. We found it wanting. There are some things you need to change. Can you adjust this aspect? Are you get what I'm saying? Because So they must raise it. It's so, like you see this man called Jesus, faithful and true. This is the husband of the bride. This being, his, he has been raising judgment. He finished the school of judgment. Then that aspect of making war, the ability to make war was granted to him on that day in Hebrews chapter 1. Your throne, O oh God, is forever. The scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom because you love righteousness and hated wickedness. That one, loving righteousness, hating wickedness is judgment. He's talking about the absolute love of righteousness and the absolute hatred of iniquity. You finished those courses. You've, you've hated everything I hate. And then when I look for everything I love, I'm seeing the love or those things inside you. Therefore, God your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellow.
2: Mm. thank you kali khaba yes
1: mere
2: mm. mann
1: sa kara ha thank you jesus kamara um. Halamaskoskin. Oh, Aprahama. Aprahama. Oh, Praskeskaskalu. Ah, Yahabaho. Thank you. Leafrete to Freno. To Freno. To Freno. To Freno. To Freno. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. That was, not, that was not a message. It wasn't like a tongue. Um, There's a, there a, there a level of truth that you hit, your spirit will react. Your spirit will, that was just a, just a reaction of the spirit man to, to a truth. Uh, There's a truth that excites the spirit, the, 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 the spirit of Christ that, we have, which we are joined with, that truth concerning God is, is, a, is a unique excitement for our spirit, our spirit man. Praise the Lord. What a glorious being. I finished my, I fought a good fight, I finished my cause. I have kept the faith. That's, they have therefore now laid up for me a crown of life, which God, the righteous judge, will give unto me. But not just me alone, but also them who, I think, of them that love is appearing or something like that. Praise God. So God is not just righteous, He is the righteous judge. Right? He's a righteous judge who has seated. He also has a son. Jesus Christ also came to sit on that seat. The seat of, or the throne of God is a throne of righteous judges. Nobody will sit on that throne unless that soul has become a righteous judge. Who in righteousness do they not only judge, but they also have their base to make war. Why can they make war? Because of the scepter of righteousness. That scepter of righteousness is an operation. Is a scepter of righteousness. is also a rod, too. It's also a rod. By that rod, that's what they were saying, that he would beat nations to shivers. He has the ability to do that. In other words, nations who don't agree with him, he can beat them to shivers. He can break them. Why? Because of, of judgment. Height of judgment. Perfection. Speak perfection. Perfection, that's the standard of judgment. Judgment, righteous judgment, is what unlocks all the power of God. Then when the soul who, has in that, who is in that state is using such power, the throne will not be afraid. You see, God will, can freely allow the operation of such power. Why? Because the being who is wielding the power judges in righteousness. Oh, what I'm saying, is it true? Yes, sir. <laughs> Dear sir? Amen. Say, so, and in righteousness he doth what? Judge and make what? So this is the being that The bride was meant to marry, right? And verse 12 says, his eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he was himself. What does it mean of many crowns? Many crowns, those crowns are crowns of life. That when you trace any in Him, when you trace any aspect of God's life, you in Him you find that that life resolved to the crowns. The crown means the the finish. The, he finished all the all the the aspect of God's life. All the different, um, you know, what do you call them? Areas of specialization. You know, in God's life, has different areas of specialization that he accumulated all the crowns of them. He, he, has, the, he, he has, he accumulated all the crowns. You, you mean for a soul to have crown of life, for a soul to have crown of life, he must have fought a good fight. He must have finished the cause, the cause. That's a good fight. Finish the call, and they must have kept the faith. So he doesn't just have one crown; he has crowns, many. He has many crowns of life. So there is no, there is no imperfect. You will not, There's no imperfect aspect of his life. Crown means perfection, right? Crown just means perfection. What crown? The crown upon the life means that this thing is perfect. Every aspect of his life is what is perfect. Praise the Lord. And the verse 13 says, And then he was clothed with a vesture, that is what? Deeped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. He was deep, his garment, his garment is deep. you are seeing that. So it's not just pure linen white. No. They, they have dipped his garment, his vesture in blood. Where did that happen? Which school did they dip the garment and the vesture in blood? Is the school of what? Marriage or? Or the school of everlasting life? Is to take a, 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 a linen, pure, The linen, white linen that is pure and white, fine linen, sorry, that is pure and white, is what God received to dip in blood. The word dipping in blood is talking about receiving the coloration of God's own life. So it's very clear then that you see, you coming into the coloration of God's own light, that vesture when it's deep in blood, of course it's going to have the redness, the color of God's life, right? And you now say that, what is that actual quality or that attribute of the vesture dipped in blood? It's talking about this soul's response to the perfect light. It's another coloration. It's the coloration of the most holy. So the color of the garment of the soul in the most holy place, right, is according to, so it's very clear that the school of everlasting life is to culture the soul with the response to the, to the perfect light. Is to teach the soul the response to the perfect light. So, so if just a fine linen that is, that is clean and white... A fine linen that is clean and white. If you, the perfect light comes to just that linen at that level, it, it, it's not been schooled fully in the perfect light. It's going to, you, you're going to see white. But there will be a time when they want to make you not see white. They want to make you see the color of God. Or see the color of the blood of God. It means that that is the school. So you yes, have seen that school is the school that Jesus graduated from when he, hate, he loved righteousness and hated. So the color of, his, of this garment which you see here is the color of a man that has, that when you shine the perfect light, it reveals hatred for some things and love for some other things. And when that happens, it, 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 it distorts the light. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So, to attain that thing is a there's only a school that can make a soul that when they shine God's perfect light comes and they check it. They check that the right frequency, you are emitting the right frequency. You are reflecting the right frequency. The things you should absorb, you absorb them. The things that you should reflect or deflect, you deflect them. Are you seeing? The process of doing that is called the marriage of the Lamb. Do you see that? Say marriage. The marriage. For he who is faithful and true to achieve that, he married his father. Praise God. And... And for us, we have to marry him, the lamb. What is that? Who, who are we marrying? We are marrying the lamb that was slain. Why is it lamb that was slain? Why is he slain? Why is he slain? The slain aspect is talking about the release of the blood, which your, the garment of your soul should be dipped in. Who is a slain lamb? The slain lamb is the lamb that has offered his life. It's the lamb that allows his life to leak out of him so that others can buy into his nature by the release of his blood. Without him being slain, they can't access the, the solvent, the, the blood for washing, for dipping. They call it, it's not washing now. They didn't say wash it. The washing was before, chapter 7 of Revelation, which is what they did to make it white. But here it's not washing. There's no uncleanness here. Do you understand? This school, it's not a school of uncleanness. It's not washing. They didn't say that his vesture has been washed. No, it's dipped. Dipped means when you are dipping, it's for coloration. I wish I were have dye something before. It's the it to to pick up the color. So he was dipped in blood. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. 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 So the, the uh, what the, glory to God. Is anybody blessed today? Are you sure? Glory to God. Father, we bless your name. Father, we worship you. I'm just I'm looking at this chapter, what? Um, chapter 14 of Revelation. <coughs> Amen. How many of you are being convinced of these things? Are you? Are you sure? Yes, Glory to God. In chapter fourteen, and you, you know, it started with the the image of the lamb on the mountain, right? Verse fourteen says, "And I looked, and lo, the lamb stood on the mount Zion." Chapter fourteen, verse one, right? And with him, and hundred forty, and four thousand, having what? So, if they have His Father's name, what does that mean? They have everlasting life. It means that who do you give your father's name to? Is your wife who's who you married? Like when I married my wife, she took my father's name. Do you agree with that? Yes. So what they are just showing the lamb and his wife. That's who was upon the mountain. Do you agree with that? Yes, uh, so, this then, it was later they now began to explain who the wife are, people are, praise God. He's having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And the song, as it were, a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and what? Four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. So they have attained that redemption. What did I explain as redemption? Redemption. Can someone quickly say it? It's what? It's not just effect alone, it's the Say it again. When it's effect of righteousness that
2: gets you to the point
1: where God can claim you as So, It's the effect of righteousness that that enacts that fulfills God's ownership. That is redemption. When God, to to redeem means God will own. God is redeeming. Amen. So it's not just having some righteousness. It's having righteousness to a a level. It's a righteousness of perfection that brings about redemption. Praise God. Amen. So, So it says these people were redeemed from the earth. Then he goes on to describe them that these are they which were not defiled with women, for they are what? Virgins. And these are they which follow the Lamb, whithersoever he what? He goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the what? First fruits unto God and to the Lamb. Glory to Jesus. And in their mouth was found no guide, for they are without fault before what? The throne throne of God. Are you seeing that? So what does it mean to be without fault? Are we listening? Please don't be distracted. Okay, amen. So what does it mean to be without fault before the throne of God? It means that he's a a being who gained approval. By what? When, when, after being examined by what? By the perfect light, yeah. right? So it's so that they are after they shine the perfect light on the soul and the, the perfect light say, okay, we found, the, the, what is coming is correct. Yeah. We are seeing the color, the crimson or the, yeah. the, that, the, the right color, which, which this, this material is okay. Then you say this is without throne, without what, sorry, without fault before the throne of God. It's all the same thing. You've seen the, the verse, is just seen everything we've taught today, talking about, These are those who are redeemed from the earth, redeemed from among men, they are without throne before, these are, so these are those who married the lamb, having the word, the name of the father's name upon their head. Verse 5, and in their mouth was found no guile, right? For they are without fault before the throne of God. Verse 6, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, unto every nation and kindred and tongue. So this follows the same pattern of all these chapters. It's the same pattern of chapter 7. Remember chapter 7 where, you saw the servants, who are these 144,000, then later another great multitude which no man could number. Who those ones were the ones who had washed their robe and made them white, who are then, because they washed their robe and made them white in the blood of the Lamb, therefore he that sits upon the throne will then feed them and lead them to a living fountain of water. That's talking about the, we now embark on the journey of everlasting life. So they showed the one who had been who had been sealed, right? What were they sealed by? They were sealed by the seal of the living God, praise the Lord, which made them servants of God, Amen. Then after that, you saw the multitude who then washed their robes, made them well, we are now candidates to be led, to be fed and led by He that sits upon the throne. Now what we feed them and lead them into a living fountain. living fountain of water is talking about portion of, it's talking about the fountain end of the, the, the living end of the fountain of life. So, the living end of the fountain of life, which is the fountain of life, in your light we see light, is the end that, that, Involve the ministry of the perfect light. So when you say living fountain of water, it's talking about the fountain of everlasting life. Does that make sense? Praise the Lord. So you just see the same thing there. You saw the first people, then later. You see the same theme in chapter. The same theme in chapter. Chapter 12, right? The man child was born. After the man child was born, then you now saw the remnant of her seed. After the, they had been caught up, then the, the dragon, who became a serpent, now went after the rest, right? Who, they now had to carry her away in the wilderness, the woman, where she, she will be fed for a certain time. That feeding is, I guess, what I'm saying. So the rest who are not taking that journey, after to now go through the process. It's the same things they're just talking about in different ways. You see the same thing here, they showed the 144,000 with the lamb, those who have been redeemed from the earth, all of those who have, be, who have no fault, who are before God without fault, then they now saw another angel, now having the everlasting gospel, to go and preach unto the other, the rest of the people who are not taking that journey. Praise God. Praise so, God. Amen. So it's very clear. Let's see verse 7. It says, Saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. So any time, the time of the preaching of the everlasting gospel is the hour of his judgment. Is another school. Is the school of what? Of his judgment. The hour of his judgment is come. And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the what, the fountains of waters. And they they followed another angel saying, Babylon is falling, Ah. is falling, Ah. that great city because she made all nations drink of the wine of the what, wrath of her fornication. So it means that that's also the season of the falling of Babylon, right? And the third angel followed them saying with a loud voice, if... Any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, that the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Amen. Amen. And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night. Who worship the beast, right, and his image, and who so received the mark of his name. So it's very clear that the season of the everlasting gospel is the season of bringing souls to their end. We've taught that before. And when it is the bringing soul to their end, it's talking about separation between souls. You want to. To drive soul to their end, you, you have soul because the everlasting gospel has, um, the season of the everlasting gospel will, will give men, will expose the love and the hatred of men. Right? It exposes the love and what? The hatred. And then those who haven't made choice, they will have to make choice very quickly. Praise the Lord. Because around this time, mainly deception season would have ended, really. It's now a season of loving. Loving. You will see, you begin to, the everlasting gospel will begin to, is to bring the... The perfect light of God. Praise the Lord. And then at the same time in that season, the, there will be clarity. Because it will also be the season of the, the ministry of who they call the false prophet, who is the maker of image for worship. right? And he, when, when that beast rises out of the land, when he will rise out of the land because the, the, the sea, the sea, there's something about the, the position which controls the sea of men has been taken from him, which is the height. When he's, he has actually fallen down, do you get what I mean? Then you will now see the, there will be a more an outward manifestation. When it comes to such season, men will be, you will see men who will be Able to make up their mind, they will be able to make up their mind with, without. It's no longer we didn't know. You can Nobody can say that they didn't know at that time. At that time, images would have been raised on the earth. It will be clear. Amen. Uh, praise the Lord. So, Amen. amen. This is not. I, I want. I don't want to dwell on this. I want to quickly move through this to get to somewhere. Father, we thank you. Glory to Jesus. <coughs> Amen. <clears throat> um, verse 12 says, Here is the patience of the saints, and here are they that keep the commandments of God, and the, the faithful of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yes, said the Spirit, that they may. Rest from their labors and their works, do what? Follow them. And I looked and behold a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. Praise God. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud. Now, what they are trying to tell you here is this is not this, what they are, this whole season now they've moved away from the picture of the servants of God and the Lamb. What they are speaking now is about the picture of what happened to all those who that dwell on the earth and every nation and kindred and tongue and people to who the everlasting gospel is preached. You know, that is the 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 theme between those chapters, chapter 7, chapter 12, chapter 14, is they show the end product. Then they show others who didn't get to the end, and they now show, by showing them, they show the process of how to get to that place. Yes. Right? In chapter 7, they did the same thing. They showed them, then they showed that it's true feeding and being led by him who's on the throne that they were arrived there. In chapter 12, they showed the man-child who got caught up. They now showed that it's true feeding. The woman was fed in the wilderness. And they, showed, they now showed the remnant, and they saw that the, 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 the man-child who was caught up was caught up because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, sorry, and by the word, the testimony. Loving all their life unto death. Then you now saw the other offspring of the woman later, Said, which keep the testimony in chapter 12. So it means that what they were keeping is that testimony which can enable them to get caught up too. So that's the purpose of, of this revelation, this, this, the, the way of this revelation. So what they are speaking concerning here is not just the 144,000 and the Lamb on the mountain, but those people to whom the everlasting gospel is preached. So they are now showing you what is the end. Of course, that will bring. For a season, first of all, also a season of the wrath of God. Then, but at the end, it will also result in a season of harvest. So the purpose of the everlasting gospel is the season of harvest. What harvest? The end of the marriage. Praise the Lord. The end of the marriage is is a harvest season. The end of the marriage of the lamb. Is what? The harvest season. What harvest of what? Is a harvest of souls who are candidates for the throne of God. Being caught up to God and his throne is the harvest of the earth. Is God harvesting people. That man child has caught up is harvest. Harvest of what? A woman bringing her fruit. That's chapter 12. Right? When say, the dragon stood, it was the, the seed of the woman that was the fruit of, of her womb. It's called the fruit of the womb, the fruit of the womb. Every time a child is born from a woman's womb, she has just given birth a fruit, she has born a fruit. Do you understand what I mean? So it means that the man-child is a fruit. So it means that it's very clear that that season of harvesting the man-child company is act- or being caught up with the throne is actually a season of harvest or the ultimate harvest of the earth. Do you agree with that? So and what prepared such a harvest is what you call the everlasting gospel. The everlasting gospel is is, is not... There are different harvests. But we're talking about the harvest of God. When God will come to harvest. When God himself... And God will pick fruit that is good to himself. This is not making peace. This is not talking about being acceptable. You get what I'm saying? We are talking about the actual harvest of God you are not being harvested into a school to learn another life. We're talking about God's own harvest for his own use. Fashioned for what? The use of God. that the vessel that God will drink from. Right? We saw the end. At the end of, of Garmin. we've talked a little bit in this area before. we were comparing when Jesus was teaching concerning, not putting old, old uh Praise God! He first spoke about the garment first, that you don't patch an old garment with a new garment, right? You can't do that. And in the same way, you cannot put new wine inside what an old wine skin. So, the and you saw back in the day that. Wineskin, it's called wine skin, it's not bottle. Now we use bottle. Back then it's the same material, leather or whatever, that they use for garment. That's what they used to put wine. So that's the way it is in scripture that the cup of God is the garment, the, and garment is the soul. The fabric of your soul is the cup that God wants to drink his wine from. Praise God. So, when God is harvesting, God is is harvesting a certain kind of fabric that is compatible with his own wine. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, what you should be is a vessel that is carrying the wine of God. That is the the picture of what the everlasting the school of everlasting life will produce. We are about to, to close right now, Amen. Amen. Are you happy you made it through? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Relief. Ah, it's two o'clock finally. Praise God. That way I rejoice with you. It's two o'clock. Amen. So, what what the, the school of everlasting life will produce are uh, vessels who have the who carry the wine of God. vessel who carry what? Wine. who carry the wine is is the same metaphor vesture dipped in blood vesture dipped in blood is the same metaphor of 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 vessel that has that has dipped with blood that can carry the blood It's the same metaphor of the wine skin of god that can hold his wine that's carrying his wine Does that make sense to you? So you're seeing the harvest, of the uh, the final harvest. And and, um, verse 14, And I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And upon the cloud one sat like, like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle. And reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar which had power over fire. And cried with a loud voice, with a loud cry, to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the wine press was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the wine press even unto the horse bridles, By the space of what, a thousand what, six hundred and four long. Amen. So you see, the this is talking about the harvest of the earth. So, um, the the harvest is also a a season of, of, of um, you know the the wine press of the wrath of God. God also drinks there from there. But that which God drinks is also the is also the is the book of his wrath too. Or his wrath. What, what is sweet to his taste in you is this his standard for judgment. This that's one thing with this season of everlasting life. That in that season, right, that's when God will when God is receiving souls that are pleasant to him. God will begin to deal with some other souls. It cannot happen, it, it will not happen without um, judgment, judgment, judgment. When God, is, when, when God is judging the earth, so to speak, when you say God is judging the earth, judgment, there will be judgment that will bring about, judgment is twofold. Judgment can bring about redemption, Judgment can bring about destruction or perdition. But it's the same judgment, it's not different. It's the same judgment that brings about redemption. So it's very clear that judging of the earth is actually is actually in the based on souls. When when you are growing up spiritually, they are raising judgment. God is not going to import some foreign thing to come and judge men. No, no. When he's judging men, the guy who they are judging, he's seen his brothers, he's seen the the, the exact obedience which he failed to do. It's in people. God will be showing it. God is, not, God is not going to bring one foreign thing. When God judges men, they will agree. We agree that that lake of fire is where we are supposed to go. They cannot argue. That's how God is going to do it. Mm, yes, sir. Mm. That's what God, That's what, what is keeping God. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. Wow. What, what, what is keeping God is that he, his, the books of his judgment have not yet been raised. Yes, uh, ha, ha. The, that book, it, it is there, like Daniel spoke about it, when the ancient of deeds sat, then books were open. Mm. Are you getting what I'm saying? Those books, it's, when he sat, is then his judgment mm. that they actually commit. What, what they are raising up in you is judgment. The judgment that will make you sit on the throne is the judgment that will send some other souls to the lake of fire. Is it, God is doing one work. When the work is finished, everybody will have their own place. No argument on that. It's not that people are arguing. Or by that day, there will be no argument at all. To be too clear, you cannot argue with a being. It's stature. Men who God have raised. This one for the 4,000. Nobody can argue against them. You see, When you see their step with their lamb. When you see their song with their lamb. The, with the lamb, sorry. You see the, the, the perfection. The, you, you, you see God's, the product of the perfect judgment of God being manifest in men. That day, men will be without excuse. No man, no soul. We have excuse. And my prayer to God is that we will not be the casualties of that, but we will be the, the full inheritors of all the judgments of God and of everything that God has. So you are going to be journeying in light. you see light will be coming. Light will be coming gradually, gradually, gradually. It will be, see, they will begin to move you into the perfect light. You, begin to, you will see by that light you will now begin to judge by that light. So shall it be there. Our, our wedding day is set in the heaven. They are, they are, they are preparing it. Things are being done. And whenever they begin to teach the everlasting gospel, it's a, it's a sign that they are ready to reap souls out of the earth. And I say you and I will be among the company when God is speaking. When they begin to say that the, the harvest of the earth is ripe, they will be speaking concerning you concerning your work and all the beauty that the Lord will bring out of your soul. Father, we thank you. We give you all the praise today. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for ministering to us. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you, oh God, for these things, for this hope, for this great, great calling which you have called our souls into. Thank you because you haven't just spoken today. There has been release of power. There has been release of grace and release of mercy. To bring, Lord, these things to pass. Every person, under the sound of my voice listening to this. I ask God, let there be a visitation. A visitation of mercy, of power, a visitation of grace, a visitation of help. Help, Lord, to align and to bring our soul into the actualization of these things. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory to your holy name. We bless your name, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You dwell
0: between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwell between the cherubim. Shine forth.